Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night cheer, weekly Wednesday night. Um, if you're listening to the recording, it doesn't matter to you that we recorded a few hours earlier than usual. Pashas Chayesora Shabbos Mavarchem Veshchaydish Kislev Shchaydish Kislev Mirz Hashem will be Thursday and Friday. So Mirz Hashem, building out the next week, we'll discuss Shchaydish Kislev. Shabbos Mavarchem is Minim is Barchem Ekuli Yemen. All days of the week are blessed from Shabbos. Therefore, we need to take a life lesson every Shabbos from our Pasha Shavua, which is Teda, Teda Loshan Heira lessons. Read recently few very interesting stories which I'd like to share in the world of life lessons. This young lady got married Baruch Hashem to a fine young man. However, the father-in-law was always a little weary of the son-in-law. Unbeknownst to why, no reason. One day, the father-in-law asks, out walking together, the father-in-law with the couple, and he needed to get something, and he didn't have any money in his pocket, and his cash, and whatever. So he asked the son-in-law for 50 shekel. And he said, sure. And he gave him the 50 shekel. And he turned around quietly and he said under his breath to his wife, let's see if this comes back. Unfortunately, it was a little too loud. And his father-in-law heard him say it. He was very, very disappointed. Very, very upset. But, he said, let, let it be. He'll work it out. He'll figure it out. Can't imagine why his new son-in-law thinks he's a thief. Why does he think he's dishonest? Why does he think he would not give back the money that he said he would give? Well, this affected him very strongly. A week, two weeks, he was pushed. He was just not himself. Couldn't he? Couldn't function. Couldn't eat. He couldn't sleep. Finally, he asked his daughter, "Why did he say that? Did he hear that I'm a ganif? Did he hear that I'm, I'm not honest?" Why would he say, let's see if it comes back? 
daughter immediately started to laugh hysterically. And she says, Tata, he has a little bit of a shtick. His shtick that he has, <coughs> excuse me, he writes his name on all the bills that he gets. He gets a dollar bill, five, ten, shekels, whatever it is, he writes his name on it. And he waits to see when it will come back, when it will go into circulation, and to see if this will ever return to him. So when he gave you the 50 shekel, he said, let's see if it will come back. He meant, when it will return to him in the circulation. He had no mean, no intention, Kasashalom, insulting you or not believing in you, etc., We tend to sometimes outthink ourselves. And by doing that, we jump to conclusions. Some people, unfortunately, the only exercise they have is jumping to conclusions. And We don't give the benefit of the doubt to where it needs to be given. And it's an ex- important lesson to each and every one of us, and a lesson as to how one needs to lead their life on a daily basis. And hence, we find in this very parsha the lesson, the message twice. Once from Sarah and once from Avraham Avinu. Now we've spoken many times about Chayi Sarah, the passing of Sarah. Although it's Chayi means the life of Sarah, but it, it's reflecting on her passing. Why did this freeze? I don't know what happened here. And we see how Sari Minu lived her life. We also are going to mention in this very parsha about Avram Avinu and how he lived his life. Just having a technical difficulty here, I'm sorry for the recording situation. We see, and we've spoken about Chaya Sara, what happened here with Sara. As this is mentioned right after the story of Akedis Yitzchak, of Avram bringing Yitzchak to the altar, and we see and hear 
how the Sutton Rashi tells us showed Sarah the Akeda and thereby she passed away. Rashi uses the wording that the, the Sutton told her Avram slaughtered Yitzchak almost. Now, technically we want to think, logically speaking, that because he said the sentence that way, that Avram slaughtered Yitzchak, that's why she passed away. But then in that case, why does Rashi elaborate with the word almost? We've spoken about this many times, only because it's such an integral part of Chinuch and education, Correct. He said almost, but he said the almost before she passed away. And that's why it needs to be mentioned in the Rashi. Because when he said almost, that's why she passed away. She said, my gosh, my child that I raised for 37 years is not fit to be a sacrifice for God. I can't stomach that. I can't can't live with that. And with this, Parachanish Masa. With this, Hanishama left her. So the Torah tells us about Sarah in this Darsha. The Yuchayi Sarah was the life of Sarah. Meya Shana, 100 years, Esrim Shana, 20 years, Sheva Shana, and 7 years. Then the Pasuk goes on to say again, Shnei Chayi Sarah, the years of the life of Sarah. 127 years. We find that number 127 mentioned again in history of Judaism, in the story of Purim. In the story of Purim we might find that Esther Hamalka became the queen to Achashverosh, who was a king over 127 provinces. And the Medish says, why did she merit to rule over 127 provinces? Since Esther was a granddaughter of Sarah, who lived 127 years, therefore she ruled over 127 provinces. Now, obviously, the correlation between the two, between Sarah and Esther Amalka, Sarah Imenu, is not just a numeric parallel. The numbers of Sarah's life matching, and therefore indicating the Purim, the, the miracle of Purim, but rather the life of Sarah and the miracle of Purim have something else in common. That'd be a problem with the computer today. Rashi's interpretation, when it says in the Pasuk, Shnei Chai Sarah, the years of life of Sarah, he says there seems to be something here, a commonality between Sarah and the miracle of Purim. Because Rashi wonders, 
If it says already that she lived for 127 years, why is it necessary to recap these were the years of the life of Sarah? And he concludes, this is the phrase, this phrase comes to tell us It summarizes all the 127 years to say they were all equally good. Later, when we encounter the number 127 in the book of Esther, so the Medish understands that this serves to draw attention to Sarah's life. It's based on which we understand why the Jews merited the miracle of Purim. During the Persian exile, the Jews lived spread and far apart from one another. Spread across 127 different lands. Each place was unique with its climate, its culture, its lifestyles, its character, its language. But inevitably, Besides being Torah-observant Jews, they had very little in common with their fellow Jews in other countries. Yet, when the decree came out to annihilate the Jews, and it reached each and every province, and the Jews were told they had to renounce, God forbid, their Judaism and they'll be spared, no Jew, no matter what culture, no matter what upbringing, no matter what language, no matter what character, no matter what anything, no Jew consented. So just like the 127 years of Sarah were equally good, the 127 nations or countries and varieties of the Jews were equally identical. And they all stood steadfast in their belief and their devotion to God. And that's why they merited us in the Medish that the granddaughter of Sarah would rule over 127 provinces. But you know what? It's a little awkward to say that. Her years were all good, really, seriously. Sarah didn't, as we say in English, laconic. She did not have an easy life. Not by a long shot. I'm afraid the video is going to be awkward today. It's not cooperating properly. So I only can recommend that you listen to the audio, please. Where you'll get all the things straight, and not in bits and pieces as the video will be. seems that the computer is still finding itself, booting itself somewhere. Let's try one more time to record video in yet another part.
So how can we actually say, in essence, Sarah's life was all good, measuring all her years, and everything was good. We know only too well that Sarah suffered plenty. She was born and raised in one part of the world. She moved many times, spent the last half of her life in the land of Israel. She was taken captive twice by powerful kings who tried to marry her against her will. And the Pesach still says the life of Sarah 100 years, 20 years, 7 years. These are the years of the life of Sarah, Rashi says. The years of the life of Sarah summarizes the 127 years of life, saying they were all equally good. Seriously? Good? I don't know if I could say that. She endured. She endured plenty. <coughs> but this unusual phrasing in the Teda of the Pasuk, stating how long, usually when it says a person's life, it says, Shnei, listen this person, Yemei, such and such. Or, this person had this and this many years. It's many, whatever it was. <coughs> Here it says the Chaye Sarah, the life of Sarah, not the days and years of Sarah. So Taylor's wording indicates, is telling us how many years Sarah lived, but also that the 127 years of Sarah's life were perfectly and equally filled with meaning and purpose by which she defined true life, what she called living. To Sarah, living meant Sarah living meant being in a vibrant relationship with God. First and foremost, how? Through mitzvahs. The mitzvahs that were entrusted to the Jewish woman. And our sages tell us that a cloud representing divine providence hovered over her tent constantly. She maintained the purity of her married life. The dough she prepared was blessed, the merit of separation of Kala. Her Shabbos candles burned from Shabbos to Shabbos throughout the week. She lived with mitzvahs. This is what it was all about, Torah and Mitzvah. So the physical and emotional distress that Sarah experienced, it pained her, of course. 
But the pursuits by which she defined her life, they were never diminished or changed. And therefore the life of Sada, her spiritual passions, her endeavors, they were perfect and good throughout the 127 years. We're talking about divine providence. As promised, I have another story which shows a tremendous, tremendous divine providence. I don't know what's wrong with the computer, but it's not recording the video properly. It's very sad. I'm going to shut down the computer and restart it, so you're going to miss the story and video. So I recommend you go to shir.us, s-h-i-u-r.us, and listen to this year properly so that you can hear it clearly. The story, the Chavra Kadisha, the burial society in Yerushalayim, got a very interesting call one Friday. It was late Friday. It was almost Shabbos. And this woman calls about her husband, Nebuch, that passed away. Well, the Chavre Kadisha secretary who answered the phone said, Sorry, Nebuchadnezzar. Sorry, ma'am. But we can't perform any levias now. It's way too close to Shabbos. It'll have to wait till after Shabbos. She understood... But she said, I want you just to note that the nifter, my deceased husband, has a request, a dying wish. He said when they bury him, the Chavre Kadisha should sing over his grave Bar Yochai. Bar Yochai, the song sung by Shimon Bar Yochai's grave on Lag Ba'ima. This is his dying wish. Well, the man said, okay. The man from the Chavah Kedisha agreed. And they went to Shabbos. After Shabbos, though, a little problem happened. A over Shabbos, a very venerable rabbi passed away, and his funeral took precedence over the other fellow. So, they had to bury him first. And this would mean it would take a while. So they made the other Leviah first. It was now one o'clock in the morning. And they came to do the Tahara on this other man. And they did the whole purification process. 
and after purifying him, they took him to be buried. However, as the Chaver Kaddish looked around, they noticed they only had nine men. They didn't have a minion. They needed to find a tenth man. So there was a Bismadish, a shul, a synagogue, a study hall, actually, that was open 24-7. So one of the Chavikadishas said, I'll go there and I'll get somebody. I'll get a center. And he came in and all the people there were very, very studious people. And they were all studying very hard. And they couldn't find... Um, the logic of disturbing their studies to go to the funeral of the simple man. And so, the man from the Chavikadisha was bouncing literally from one person to another until he came to a man who was sitting there and the man said, listen, I have to give a shear tomorrow morning. So I'm sitting here preparing for my shear. It will be extremely difficult for me to walk away now because simply I, I won't be able to give the shear tomorrow if I don't prepare it. But I, I feel bad for you. I understand the dilemma here of a person being buried around me in Chazshon. So if nobody else goes, I'll... I'll do it. So again, they went around the whole Bismedish. And again, nobody acquiesced. And they came back to this man that was going to give a shir, the rabbi was going to give a shir. And they told him, they have no other choice. Nobody else is available. Nobody else wants to be available. So the man said, okay, and he goes and he joins the Hebrew Kaddish in the van and he's still wearing his Shabbos clothes they're all wearing their Shabbos clothes and they go to do the Leviah they finish the burial and the man from the Hebrew Kaddish says uh oh problem the man asked the Nifter asked that after he's buried we should sing Bar Yochai. Does anybody have a siddur with the words to Bar Yochai? Unfortunately, the answer was no. Nobody had a siddur with the words to Bar Yochai. And what are we going to do? It's 2 o'clock in the morning. There are Maharazesim freezing he said, okay, it's not going to work, it's not going to work, we're sorry, we apologize. Anybody know it maybe by heart? One guy said, I probably know it by heart, but 2 o'clock in the morning, I have brain freeze, it's cold here. So,
so they were about to go home they were about to abandon their mission when this fellow that was supposed to give a shear the next morning said wait a minute and he reached into his pocket and took out a paper with a song of Bar Yechai in his pocket. And they were amazed. They were excited. And they sang the song Bar Yechai on the man's grave as for his wish, his dying wish. And then, as they were riding back from the cemetery, they asked him, how did it come to be that you had the page of Bar Yechai in your pocket? He says, I'll tell you what happened. It's divine providence. I was always, I always dive in Shabbos afternoon, Shabbos Mincha. I always dive with the first possible minion. However, something happened today and I missed it. So I had to walk to what's called the Shtiblach to go find a minion later. And I walked with my son. And we walked towards the Shtiblach, and I saw this paper on the floor. So it's Seamus. It's a song of Bar Yechai, but it came out of a Siddur. So I took it, and I put it in my pocket. You're allowed to carry in, in your Shalayim, as a native. Everybody carries, almost everybody carries. And I took this paper in my pocket. And apparently, I forgot to take it out. I was going to put it in the shul, the shamus, but I forgot. So it was still in my pocket. Literally divine providence. And everybody was amazed. They were mesmerized. Wow! This dying man must really have a merit. He wanted the song sung, and you happened to have it in your pocket. He says, that's not anything special. I'll tell you something more. I never go to that study hall. I never go to that Medish. I prepare my shir at home always. My children were very rowdy today. They were in a cuckoo mood or whatever it was. I couldn't sit and learn. I went to this Medish. I've never been there before, I don't think. And tonight my children literally drove me out of my house. I ended up over here. Otherwise I never would have been here either. Now they were really wowed. And they went to the wife to find out maybe this guy was a hidden tzaddik. They found that he wasn't, but he had two customs. One, every, every Arab Ashkadish, he went without fail to Rav Shiva by Yechai's caver. And secondly, every Friday night before Kiddush, he sang the song of Bar Yechai. And therefore he had a very strong connection to it. And therefore, Rabbi Shimon made sure that his dying wish of having his song sung by his grave was fulfilled. Everything, of course, is Hashkocha Pratis, the Divine Providence. Avraham Zak and Baba Yamin, we spoke about Sarah now being equal, all her years were good because she only wanted one thing which was to complete the ultimate mission to serve God properly. 
And yet the Pasha tells us again, Avram Zokin Babayam, Avram was old, advanced in days. In English they say, Adah, if he was old, he was advanced in days. Why repetition? Because the old Zuckin refers to chronological. Chronologically, he was an old man. Advanced in days refers to the extent to which Avram experienced his life and the effect each day had on him. A person could be old, but not advanced in days. He sat through, he, he whittled his way through life. Things just passed him by. Nothing deeply affected him. Avram, however, was very affected and therefore advanced in days. He advanced and he entered and immersed himself in the happenings and changes of everyday life. And therefore, it was inevitable that he experienced life's ups and downs, but he experienced it so deeply and personally. It took a physical toll on him. And this is what Isaiah says, advanced in days. It means Avram lacked none of his days. None of the days in this world did he lack. None of the days in this world did he pass up. He utilized every single day of his life the service of God in the words of the way the Isaiah says Avram passed this world passed from this world and he rose and vested himself in his days. Each day was a garment and he did not lack not even one of those precious garments. And just as Avram was advanced in days in the literal sense having profoundly experienced all the events of his life physically, so had he experienced and fully lived the spiritual significance of every day. There had not been even one day in Avram's life during which he did not immerse himself in the spiritual calling of the moment. Whether it be a Shabbos, a Yom Tif, any given mitzvah, Avram saw to it to devote and dedicate himself fully to the umpteenth level. And therefore, Avram Zokin and Baba Yom, you have people, like we said before, we have sometimes today, especially teenagers that are 15 going on 40. And you have 90-year-olds that are still have the brain of a 12-year-old. No, not because they got senile. They just never... <laughs> Don't really bother advancing. Let's get into the story of the Pasha in essence. Avram tells his servant Eliezer to go find a wife for his son Yitzchak. Now again, we remember, of course, we've spoken about this many times. Eliezer himself had a daughter. And he wanted Yitzchak for his own daughter. 
But his master told him, you can't do that, it doesn't work, we don't jive. And therefore it needs to be from elsewhere. And Eliezer didn't say to his master, you know what, buddy? I'm out of here. My daughter's not good enough for you? Arrivederci. Eliezer stuck to it, and so much so, that when Avram tells him, go get a wife for Yitzchak, he does it benemonis, full-heartedly. Avram sends Eliezer on this mission, and he prepares him. And the Pesach tells us, chapter 24, verse 10, The servant took ten of his camels, a master's camels, and he went, and his master's entire fortune was in his hand. Avram spared no expense to see to it that Yitzchak is married. Mind you, this is after the Akedah, where Yitzchak was 37 at the time, and this is years, three years later. He was a grown man. And Eliezer set off to find him a wife. This strong education that he received from his parents clearly had the desired impact. And therefore Yitzchak lived by the same values of devotion to God as his parents had. So we see actually by the Akedah Yitzchak. Yitzchak was an equal participant as Avram was. Avram was doing the slaughtering and Yitzchak was the sheep. But nonetheless, he went along 100% willingly. Now that Yitzchak though was over 37, you'd think that he should find his own wife doesn't need his parental assistance to show that he continues on the right path. But good wasn't good enough for Avram. Avram wanted to make sure that Yitzchak would encounter no hindrance whatsoever in marrying the right person. And building a life in you know, the Tehidah Mitzvah on the path of God. Therefore, Though Avram still had many years to live, he parted with all his worldly possessions and gifted everything to Yitzchak in order to make him a more attractive suitor. Rashi says clearly, Avram wrote a deed of gifting all he owned to Yitzchak before he died. He became the heir and he inherited alive. Why? So that the wife would be eager to come to him. And the family would be eager to send the bride. So Avram demonstrated that even once our children and students are grown and mature, 
ready to build independent lives of their own, we mustn't cease in guiding them in the right direction. We must continue to guide them toward the proper path, even at the cost of tremendous personal sacrifice, thereby ensuring that they build their lives in accordance with the tailor's internal ways. Thereby he sent everything that he owned, sparing nothing. And this is the first story of the first Shidduch matchmaking that takes place in the Tera. The match of Yitzchok and Rivka. Eliezer, the servant of Avram, is sent to Aram, Aram Narayim. And he finds Rivka. And he tells Masul and Lovan about his, his shlichus, his mission. He says, V'ovei hayoyim I came today. Rashi explains, hayoyim yatsasi v'hayoyim bossi. I left today from my home, and I arrived today in your home. That's like when my son comes from New Zealand to New York. He has two Tuesdays or Wednesdays. Rashi says, though, from here we learn, Shekov Tzuleh he had what's called Kvitzas Aderech. We all know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu does not do miracles for nothing, for naught. What did he need Kvitzas Aderech for? And why did Eliezer find it important to tell this to the Vesuvah and to Lovan? It's said about Rivka, Kishashana ben Achikim, like a rose amongst the thorns. She was a, a rose. She was pure. She was righteous. And she was surrounded by thorns. The wicked Besuel and Lovan. It's not so simple to extract the rose from the thorns. And in their merit, they pounded the way out. And the same way also, when this is done, the thorns also enjoy the multitude of water, etc. And therefore they don't want to be detached from the rose. They want to stay on the stem. And this is where the Zaire explains the extracting of the Kaychas of the Sitra Akhra, where he tries so strong to capture the highest and purest souls. The Sitra Akhra knows, the other side knows, that this holding on to Kedusha. guarantees also the existence the perpetuation of even the evil and therefore it's pendant depending on the good so it's not so easy for the Nishamas to give it up 
Besul and Lavan, they knew and they understood that Rivka was the source of all their blessings in their house. And they did not want to part with her. And this Rivka was only three years old. And as long as she was three years old, this small child, without their permission, of course, cannot take her from there. So now the day that she turned three, according to Allah, she can now marry. It was able to pluck her from this wicked and from the evil and bring her to the world of Kedusha. So Avram understood this, and therefore on that very day he sent Eliezer to redeem her. And therefore the miracle needed to transpire of Kvit Saderach, that he arrive on the day that he leaves, so that Rivka should not wait even a moment, once the moment that she could leave amongst the evil. As Eliezer arrives to the house of Besul and Lavan to show them and to prove to them that God is with him and there's no way they're stopping him from removing Rivka from their evil clutches. He knew they would try somewhat to stop him. They tried somewhere to avoid letting Rivka leave. And therefore they even say to him, Let the young girl sit with us another few a few days. And he says, No, I came today because I needed to be here today so that today she gets extracted. On stories of our forefathers it said, the stories, the works of our forefathers is a sign for the children, is a path, paves the path for us. From this Shlichus of Eliezer from Avram, we learn a very, very wonderful thing. That now when the time of the Gula arrives, it cannot be withheld even a second. And if need be, the miracle of Kvit Sadarach transpires so that the Geula should come in its right time, in its place. So therefore we may never ever be in despair. We may never ever fall into a depression of the darkness of the exile. No matter how long it is, no matter how it's dragging on. Just like the redemption of Egypt, B'nai Yisrael left that very day, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu did not even hold him back, not even the wink of an eye, the same the same way, now, it's time to finish the Aveda of B'nai Yisrael in Golos, to bring the Yehula, take it from Yad Mamish, to take us out of this horrific, horrific exile, and one of the worst parts of the exile that we are suffering today is unfortunately the crisis of Shidduchim. May Hashem send each and every one, 
each boy and each girl, their, their correct zivug, not through hardship, not through misunderstandings, not through pe- not allowing people or thoughts or any kind of stumbling blocks to get in the way, to hinder and to hold them back. No Jew will be left behind, no Jewess will be left behind, no child of marriageable age from 18 years and up should be left out of the system and someone sent the world they ask the girl are you in the parsha yet which means the way of being in Shaduchim so when Rivka says she's going to get married father says you're so young you're only three years old she says but I'm in the parsha and therefore we are all in the parsha and when we all be redeemed from any of our exiles, our personal exiles, may each and every one of us find peace and mind and tranquility. And may each and every one of us leave this very goalless tonight and all of us that need, all those that need, should find their zivug, their husbands, their wives, their proper match, and they should live for many, many happy years together, until Bias Gael Tzedek, until Bias Mashiach Tzedkenu Bekarev Mamish, 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 tonight, tonight, and we all go to Yerushalayim, Yerakadosh, Shabbat, Shalom.